Jesus was on the 9th of June, 1862, on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Bamboos, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collinwood Creek, that's on the road to Bladen. Yo, what is good, ladies and germs? Welcome back to another episode of CHN Radio. It's your boy Elijah, and I'm joined alongside the co-hostess with the mostess, which I realize I said co-hostess as if Josh is a woman. Joshua, how are you? Hey, gender gender notwithstanding, it doesn't matter to me, man. Yeah. I'm yeah, doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Love to hear it. Uh, we had a bit of a break. Uh, your boy was down... Well, up in Phoenix, that's, that's something that I've learned that, uh, that, that generally speaking, and this is, this is a, it's black history month. So I'm letting everyone know this is about black people. Um, generally black people just, there's the sense of direction when describing things as non-existent. Like I've said, <laughs> I've heard, I've heard like friends, friends, like, like family members in Atlanta to be like, that, that'll be like, oh yeah, up in, up in Tampa and Tampa is, is south of of Atlanta, but they'll say up in Tampa or like down in New Orleans when it's like, well, actually down in New Orleans actually is south of Atlanta, but you get the gist. They'll say yeah. down in, down in Houston and Houston is not lower than Atlanta, stuff like that. Anyway, all that to say, uh, we have an exciting episode for the people today. Uh, we're going to do a little news, uh, review Bournemouth. We'll preview the Liverpool match. We do have a question to answer. Uh, so oh, good. be some exciting stuff. Um, but first and foremost, I'll, I'll do the, the quick plugs. Uh, follow us at CHN underscore podcast and at Coming Home in UFC on the Twitters. Josh, you got any any plugs? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to follow along, um, Joshua at Joshua R. Duter on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. I don't I don't usually just post pictures of my family on Instagram or some of the. Well, then lower... don't, don't tell people you're on Instagram. Yeah, but sometimes I get some cool like. Start... They'll stalk you. Yeah. I get some cool lower league swag and post pictures on Instagram because that's what it's good for. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm out there. I'm I'm out there. <laughs> good. You're in the streets. The main streets of uh, of the suburbs. I'm, I'm down in the streets. <laughs> yeah. Dear, yeah. You out, yeah. You down in them streets. All right. So let's hop into it. Um, Josh, look, give us a little update on the women's team. What, what are we doing? Yeah. Newcastle United women are second. They played. 13 matches with 10 wins, one draw, one loss, uh, 21 goal difference. They defeated Chorley 3-1. Goals by Becky Langley, Lauren Robson, and Georgia Gibson um, with an exciting 90 plus, 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 plus uh, goal to get that 3-1 win over Chorley. And then they defeated York City 4-2 most recently with goals by Bianca Owens, Millie Bell, Katie Barker, and again, Georgia Gibson. Um, they've given up uh, the first goal in both of these matches, which is concerning, but they have fought back to win both of those matches um, and by multiple goals. So there's goals in this side, and they're going to need them. They play Middlesbrough next on Tuesday, February 21st. Um, they defeated Middlesbrough back uh, in September 1-0. Um, Durham, who are up in first place, they play on February 23rd at Norton and Stockton Ancients um, and then host 
Chorley as well uh, three days later. So I think this is where Durham could drop points and um, and Newcastle, I think, has a has a match in hand. So this is where Newcastle could they could catch up uh, and overtake Durham. I think that there's a seven point gap right now between second and so they're going to need to continue to get these results and score goals and increase that goal difference in case there's a tiebreaker at the end. But it's going to get real close. And I think there's something like 10, 11 matches left. So, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep our eye on the the women. You you cannot be sick. There's not a team that is called Norton and Stockton Ancients. That, oh, that can't be real. There is. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look them up. I'm gonna get a jersey. I got to. <laughs> I mean, I just like that's just it's absurd. All right. Um. Cool. Well. Uh. On to a, a more somber note. Um. There was an earthquake in Turkey and Syria last week. Uh, I'm sure that many have heard of it. Uh, it's been dominating the headlines recently hmm. uh the death toll is is not even catastrophic it, it, yeah yeah it's like i don't even want to say it because it's depressing but um there was a bit of an uh a sad some sad news coming out of that uh right after christian atsu scored the winning goal for his his club in turkey uh the earthquake happened literally that evening uh he lived in the same well he lived in the same building as uh I want to say like one of the directors of the the, the club, like uh, someone in their in their management as well, and so uh, unfortunately, there's been no sign of Christian since the earthquake has happened. They're still somehow like discovering people underneath the rubble, uh, mm-hmm. even now, like week uh, at this point, we're over a week after the incident, and they're still discovering people alive every day. So. You know, there's a possibility that Christian Atsu is still with us, but um, it, it's not looking uh, fairly likely. There was a false report last week that he had been found in, in the hospital. But again, it's it's not looking too hot for Christian. Uh, and Christian, of course, former Newcastle player, had some really iconic goals for us, especially that championship season and just some key moments even in the, the season afterwards. He also played... For Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who, um, you know, even currently with the Newcastle team with with ties to them. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll just be hoping for the best and hoping that you know this podcast comes out and you know good news comes out at the same time as this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what else I can add to that one. So I'm not I'm not yeah. much of a praying man, but uh, sending my best my best wishes to his family and. And to the entire region um, that has yeah. been uh, dramatically affected by by this natural disaster. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild week for disasters, um, for sure. We oh, this is just random. There was a truck that crashed in Tucson that released a bunch of like poison in the air. So um, that's also exciting. Not so. To this be is our last podcast together. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm not in the affected area, but someone I work with actually was in the oh. affected area and she's like has to like leave her home and and is like moving in like living with her parents right now because like this truck overturned and released like this orange plume of smoke. Disgusting. So, yeah. Yeah, we're killing our planet. On a lighter note, uh, Newcastle has repurchased <laughs> land at Strawberry Place. So uh, if for those who've been 
follow i don't know i mean it, it was a big deal i think it's way more of a big deal for people in newcastle of course because it, it yeah i mean it's one of those where like it directly affects I, them right yeah it's, no exactly and we have we it's like i don't know they don't care that midtown's been gentrified in atlanta but it's a big deal in atlanta because like you're there but uh mike ashley did sell uh, it was land loan owned by the club it's south of the stadium uh and it was land owned by the club mike ashley uh, sold it to a company or like a long-term lease like a, to developers mm-hmm. for nine million pounds uh, a few years ago and then the, the owners have since bought that back the fear was when it was sold uh, a few years ago that uh, it was going to be used for um, the apartment complexes and like essentially if it was if the land was ever developed it would uh, completely it would completely kill any plans of a St. James's expansion or, you know, an increase in capacity or anything that would, you know, make St. James's park kind of up to modern standards. Uh And if there were ever a opportunity for the club to have a bigger, you know, if the club ever wanted to modernize their stadium, they would essentially need to build elsewhere because strawberry places right now it's it it was the only possibility for any sort of expansion essentially so now that's been bought back by ownership so who knows what the plans are uh for the land but you know the the good news and the important bit is that it's back under the control of the club which means that whatever the plan may be you know whether it's expansion whether that's turning that area into um, you know, training center or whatever they want to do with it, it's it's going to be owned by the club. So it, it's a positive note uh, to, to to end on, or not end on, because we got more stuff. But yeah, and that's it for this week. And uh, we'll join you next week. No, it, yeah, <clears throat> no, it's a uh, you know, I, I think I read that there was a possibility of building like a fan zone, and then if they ever did expand the stadium, they would just move that fan zone like encapsulated in in the stadium at that end or mm-hmm. you know there's lots of options so it's better than i mean there, there's probably a, a good contingent of of geordies who don't you know that would say well maybe it's time to build a brand new stadium and down closer to the river or something i think i think i've seen like overhead views of proposed sites where it's closer yeah. to the tyne but um from the you know those of us that are supporters from afar, like we hear that it's you know, it, you know it's the tower on the hill, or you know it's sort of the you know the cathedral, the cathedral, yeah, and it dominates the skyline. And like long story short, Elijah, when I when I go to Newcastle, and I will travel there, yes. yeah, um, same. Once I travel there, I want to see it as it is. You know what I mean? And so I part of this purchase kind of it doesn't guarantee what they're going to do with it but it gives that it puts that option sort of on the list and i think it lengthens the time that they stay in the stadium cuz now they can kind of think about it they don't they're not forced to leave to grow yeah of course um and again like it's there it, it's it, who knows when all of that happens i mean it's so easy to get wrapped up in 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 the immediates but who like this this regime has has repeatedly preached patience so we'll see um and then a little bit more news newcastle rumored and kind of confirmed i believe at this point uh that they've been filming this whole season uh for a four-part documentary 
series that will be releasing on Amazon at the end of the season. So it's just been chronicling Newcastle this season, which I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know if they realized that they were chronicling Newcastle pushing for Europe, but they were. So uh, again, it was kind of rumored and thrown out there at some point. I want to say over the summer that this was going to happen. And there was, there were the, the usual suspects, the in the know people on Twitter that were all like, I've never heard of this. This isn't happening, blah, blah, blah. And of course, they were wrong. You can't uh, know everything all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's very much like the in-the-know people just claim to know things all the time. And they yeah. just throw out a bunch of guesses and eventually something sticks. So, broken clock is right. Wait, yeah, a broken clock is right twice. Wait, twice a day? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay, that's the same. All right. And then real quick, uh, Josh, got a quick BS meter. Some rumors starting to swirl about Newcastle's transfer activity this summer. Um, yeah, and it were, it, it's just February. Uh, shout out to the people who celebrated Valentine's Day. Um, one of the rumors is that Jamal Lascelles is set to exit the club. Josh, is this a load of BS or is this something that we could see happening? Oh, I 100% believe that he will leave in the summer. And um, I've heard... Or read that um, it was, you know, a return home for him or, you know, to his most previous club, Forest. Um, and to be quite honest with you, that's not a bad place for him to land. Yeah. And uh, Forest, who are good now, people forget. They, yeah, they, no, they Forrest... signed 40 people and it, it <laughs> blew up in their face and it's now somehow working. So people forget they're good. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I used this analogy before, but it's like taking a handful of spaghetti and throwing it against the wall. You're not, you know, you just got to see what sticks. And, yeah. uh, and I expect Forrest to probably shed, you know, 20, 25 players in the summer. I'll find, <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, if they stay up, they can't keep that, that, that entire roster. But what they can do is say, okay, well, you know, Cooper can say, well, I found, you know, my, my, my best 20. Um, yeah. like, I'm going to ditch these 20 here, keep these 20 here, and then add five more. And I think LaSalle's could be one of those. That, that, you know. Yeah, they, they definitely can trim the fat a little bit, and I think he would be he'd, he'd push for a starting position. I think so. With that team. I, think they, so. I mean, I'd say like their biggest strength for us is I think they have a lot of exciting young attackers, or just they have decent attacking talent. So I think you know, defense and cheering up the defense is probably where they 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 would benefit the most. So yeah, if it happens, shout out to Lascelles. And then here's another one for you: uh, Newcastle are reported, reportedly putting all their eggs and uh, eggs are expensive these days. So take yeah. that into consideration. They're putting all their <laughs> eggs in the, uh, in, in a, in the basket for pursuing a number six this summer. Um, so someone rumored to be, and again, we don't have any names or anything. This is just a, a confirmation or, or not a confirmation, but it's just a report that Newcastle are pursuing a six, likely someone to pair with Bruno uh, Guimaraes in the midfield for uh, the long term. Um, but yeah, that would allow Bruno to play a little bit further forward or uh, allow Newcastle to play a double pivot. So uh, Josh, uh, any thoughts on this rumor? Uh, there's no reason not to. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't find either of these. I don't find either yeah, I mean, of these yeah. unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, know, if you were to, yeah. if you were to tell me that they'd be in the market for a, a, a number nine, you know, if they're like, Oh yeah, they're going to go and get, no, I mean, maybe. They're backed by very, very wealthy benefactors, but I don't, I don't think that they're in the market to spend wildly. I think, especially considering, um, 
the reports and the you know and the charges from um the Premier League uh, for gross Man City expenditure issues with Manchester City. Yeah. And and I think you can look at that and go, you, you know, I think people have been maybe quietly judging Newcastle for not spending money and they thought that they would. And maybe it's not Newcastle supporters themselves, but maybe the media or, yeah. you know, or, or Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> How can I compete yeah. with this money that they're not spending? And we've actually spent more than that. How can I compete yeah. with that? Um, but all that is to say they could. They could go get a nine if they wanted to. They could they could find they could find a home for Wilson. You know, he'll be thirty-one. Um, you know, and and probably time to to start looking at and I honestly, you know, we'll probably get into this, but I don't think Isaac is a true nine. Um, I don't know I don't know what he is, but he, he's, he's not like a whole, Bobby Firmino type. Yeah. Like a He's going to drop into them. He's fine dropping in the midfield. He can get on the end of stuff. Like he's going to create for others. But you know, with that being said, like you're going to need you know goal scoring forwards around him. Then if yeah, that's going to be the case. And to his credit, like I mean, to to Newcastle's credit, I think they've turned Miguel Amaran into a like a poaching type forward. We'll again talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. He's been in the right areas in in the mix as they say, uh, for the last, you know, for the, for, you know, not for the last few times, but just this season, he's been in the mix and in the right spaces. Uh, and who knows what they're going to do on that left-hand side. But yeah, uh, I would agree. Uh, I think it's likely it's also something Eddie Howe has pretty much publicly like asked for. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's, I don't know if it's a point of contention. I firmly believe, like I said, a couple episodes ago that there is a plan uh, for Newcastle. And I do think that they knew that the transfer market and they were completely right. was just incredibly inflated this January. It bonkers. Not only be- yeah. Not only because it was January, but because it was January after the world cup. And so, yeah. you know, even then the like, Anthony Gordon was, was, was expensive in the eyes of many, even though like in the summer he was ru- ru- rumored to go for 60 million pounds. Even then, in January, it felt like his price was still a little high given uh, his relative unproven uh, his willing. Yeah, his relative, I think that's like, really it, right? status. I mean, yeah, 40, so. 40 is the going rate for a quality player at his position, but has he proven himself to be a quality player is really the question. Um, so, yeah. long story short, on on future transfers and the, and these rumors are going to get as the closer we get to the end of the season, the wilder they're going to get. Oh but, yeah what we have now is something it's unprecedented for us. Um, we have backing that if there's a good deal to be had, they'll pull the trigger. Um, if the deal doesn't, if the player is right, but the deal is wrong, they'll wait and see if they can get a good deal. If they can't get a good deal, they'll move on to the next player, but there's going to be movement there. We, we don't have to, we don't have to fret that we won't have good players there's going to be somebody coming in. And that's something yeah. that we didn't really experience, or at least I didn't for the last 30 years is you just, you, you, you took what you could get. You got excited for the possibility of, you know, of a, of a Gabby Oberton or, or a Kabai. And, and you sort of just looked at what they could do and you, and you thought, okay, well I'll put on my beret and root these French guys on. But, yeah. 
you know, and sometimes you you got some stinkers and sometimes you got some guys that were only there for a couple of years and moved on. But now it's like, we're not a stepping stone anymore. This is a full blown, you know, big club. It's finally the big club that it deserves to be. And I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, what we'll do. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I just think it was so funny when you had people who were like, this is one of the most disappointing transfer windows I've ever seen. It was like, you weren't there for Dumbia and Nabil Bintaleb and, and Bereka and like th- those horrid signings under Ashley. Like, let, let's, <laughs> let's take a step back. And even now, and we'll get into this. I was excited for Bentaleb. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was too. I thought Bentaleb was going to be so good. Yeah. I, I'm like, that's, I thought, honestly, I thought Bereka was going to be good too. Antonio Bereka. I think he was a, might have been a left back or something. I also think that Valentino Lazaro would have been good. I really thought so too. I think he would have been good if anyone but Steve Bruce was managing him. It it that oh man that that's like to me that's the one that got away. I mean like there's plenty for Newcastle. Where did he end up going back to RB Leipzig or is that where he came from anyway? He, he came from uh, I want to say I think he came from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. No, he came from Inter. He was at Inter Milan. Okay. And then he, the he's low? back. He's in, yeah, he, he was, yeah, he came from loan from Inter Milan. And I yeah. want to say he ended up going to Borussia Munchen Gladbach. Uh, okay. I don't know why, for some reason, I have him in my head in, in a Red Bulls in a Red Bulls kit in, in my mind's eye. He might have played there previously. He's just, he's just an entry. He's been on the loan circuit. So just, just so you are, here's, here's where he's, so he's technically still an Inter player. Okay. He went to Newcastle on loan. Then he went to Borussia Borussia Gladbach. Twenty two appearances there, two goals. Benfica on loan uh, for 2021-2022 season, and then he's been on loan at Torino for this entire for this season. That's and he's wild. played fifteen matches. It's very odd. I mean, it just I don't know. He's one where like I just like you saw you saw him play, and you were like, man, this guy has it all together. He's just not playing the right position, which you know that's. <laughs> That's, I think at it's a certain good point, though. I mean, we at a certain point, we could probably move on after this with yeah. any player. With any player, like when a player goes for, bounces from team to team to team to team, I could see a player having three. A really solid player might have two or three clubs in in his or her lifetime, you know, playing at, at the top level. But a player that goes from club to club to club to club to club, to me, that's an indicator that there's there's something wrong. Like if you think about this, if you're a hiring manager at at some sort of like IT firm, right? And you've got yeah. a guy that said his work history is like every every six months he's worked somewhere else. You know, that's that's a, that's a red flag. That tells you this person doesn't one, he's maybe he's dense, maybe he's got a bad attitude, maybe he makes errors you know after he gets past the train you know like you never know what it is and and so players that kind of jump from team to team to team this whole journeyman thing it's like why don't they stick and i don't know them personally and maybe there's plenty of really good journeymen out there but there's got to be like why don't why don't players like that stick somewhere and and i yeah. don't know i don't know what that is yeah and for him it could just be like management and lack of like there i don't think anyone i think newcastle and Torino are the only clubs that had a buy option for him. So mm. that could also be part of it is that, I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we're going to move on. Uh, Newcastle played Bournemouth this past weekend. 
It was a 1-1 draw at Vitality Stadium, which is one of the more unique stadiums in the Premier League, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because it is a championship stadium. <laughs> well, so, you know, at best, really. Yeah, at best. I mean, like, you could argue it's a League One stadium, but... And it still had it still had a big mural of Eddie Howe up, and, and I think... <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I, you I don't think, take that down, though. I mean, I think Frazier. Like, I think Frazier might have been in that too. I, again, you don't take it down because no. think about what Eddie did for that club. So, very emotional return for Eddie yeah. Howe. Uh, very emotional. Uh, like, there's a lot of emotions flowing around because, again, that was uh, the Atsu news was floating around. Uh, they were wearing uh, black bands in solidarity for the Turk for Turkey and Syria. It was also a uh, racism, no room for racism weekend. So there was a, there were, or Black Lives Matter weekend. So there was a lot of, it was very emotional game to start off. A lot of pre-match festivities. Um, Eddie Howe was crying, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, Newcastle ended up drawing this one, 1-1. One, one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, another draw added to the list. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird season because Newcastle are still in fourth. Uh they're, they're in fourth on 41 points. They have uh, 11 draws, 10 wins, and one loss. So it's just weird. You know, It's you have only one loss this season, and you're still, you know, not Chugging, chugging along. I think, what do they got now? 10 draws, right? No, it's, a, it's 11 draws. 11 draws. Wins. Is that the most in the league, though? Uh, I think so. I, I mean, think they, it, yeah, they, they yeah, have, I think, the fewest defeats, but the most draws. Yeah, the only other team in the and it's kind of funny. It's like you just look at like how how different things could be. Is Brentford are in eighth, which again not bad, but uh, they they have ten draws, four losses, and eight wins. And so it's like you know you think about how many results could have been. I mean, this Bournemouth one's a good example of that could have easily been a one no loss to Newcastle. I mean, creation wise, like. There was not a lot to be. There was there was there was not a lot going on from from Newcastle's perspective in terms of like chance creation or quality chance creation, uh, and so it could have been one nil loss, and you're looking at Newcastle being, you know, in fifth. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, anyway. Uh, all that to say, let's let's go through the lineups. Let's really log quick. through that part of it. Yeah, let's let's get it going. So, uh, as we as we already know, uh, Newcastle uh, were without Bruno because uh, he's he was serving match two of his three match suspension. Uh, so Newcastle went with a four three three with Alan Saint Maxman, Isak, and Alvaron up top. Joe Willock, Joe Linton, and uh, or Joe Ellington and Sean Longstaff as their midfield three. Byrne, Botman, Share, Trippier, and Pope. That has not changed probably since match week one, uh, that mm. back line. So uh, Bournemouth started Solanke up top with Traore and like right behind them, kind of this free free role as an attacking midfielder. Uh, they had Dongo Atara, I think that's how you say that, uh, Larima, Billing, and Anthony in the midfield uh, with Smith, Stevens, Sinesi, the goal scorer, and Zamora, who Zamora is some player, uh, as a kind of a wingback, fullback, whatever you want to call him, and Neto and goal, uh, which Neto and goal, and I think he was, that was the first game where he was playing as the captain. They just removed, I don't know who they, I think they took it from, it might have been from uh, Solanke or Billing and gave it to Neto. So anyway, yeah. 
anyway, uh, for leadership reasons, I don't know. Bournemouth, I guess it worked. It didn't really work because they are still in the relegation zone. So it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, give me your overall thoughts on, on how you feel about Newcastle after this match. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, 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 I'm, wor- I'm worried that the opportunity to earn points and the matches that you should be win the matches you should win. Right. And then draw the matches that you, that could you, that you could lose. And so you, you, you put yourself in an awkward, awkward position by drawing this match that I, I felt like Newcastle could have won this match on paper, but I also think that they're probably dealing with um, fatigue and, uh, and there was this discussion, and we've kind of gone over this. We've we've been on on you know we've been high on depth and we've been low on depth. You know all, all year we've kind of gone back and forth in this topic, and that the depth is a little thin, and the depth at best are still those championship level players that are left over from the Steve Bruce era, from the Mike Ashley era, and we're not going to see this true depth sort of grow and for another full season or or two really where you know we're bringing in more more guys like uh, like Gordon and and um and getting more out of um the the development academy and stuff like that so getting some really good players i've you know you saw some good stuff from longstaff you saw really good moments but you didn't see sustained attacks like you had earlier in the year you didn't see you saw flurries of action but you didn't see sustained action which is what we saw in sort of that first stanza of the season where we really piled on the wins and the points and so i'm just i'm hoping that maybe win or lose with the cup final on the 26 i believe whatever the result is of that match I hope that collectively the organization can take a deep breath and then go about the last third of this season with the same vigor and energy that they attacked it with the during the first third. Yeah, I, I, for me, there was a couple things that stuck out. One, uh, it did feel like those... I remember when we first started recording together, uh, you'd mentioned like, you know, Eddie Howe on the hot seat for, you know, having so many draws. And then right after that, we just ripped off like yeah. win after win after win. And it and something changed. Like the team started to gel a little bit and we started to, to play a little bit more how either Eddie wanted this player or just players kind of understood each other a little bit more. And looking at this lineup, it's only what, the third match where we're seeing ASM in the front three for a sustained amount of time. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking like third match this season. Like, and you gotta remember, he he had been displaced for a long time, and even when he was healthy, did not really, you know, he did slot right back into the starting eleven. He only starting because of the Bruno suspension. So the attack still feels like they're look they're getting used to playing with a different type of attacker with ASM keeping guys, you know, you know, beating guys off the dribble, staying out wide, all that kind of stuff. Like he's just a different type of attacker than what yeah. we were used to before with either Joelinton out wide or, or Willock or whatever, however you want to look at how Joelinton and Joe Willock were, were playing together. So I think that's part of it. In addition to that, you have to remember Alexander Isak, this is only his, what, sixth match uh, uh, playing with, uh, you know, for, again, sustained amount of time, long amount of time. So 
the players are getting used to playing with him as an attacker and it playing with him versus playing with Kyle Wilson, which we kind of alluded to earlier, it's completely different players. Isak's not this sort of true number nine that Wilson is. He's not going to stay up, you know, and, and try to win balls and all that sort of stuff. So everyone has to adjust to how to get him the ball because when he does have the ball and he, he things, good things do happen. Uh, it's just, it looks different than Colin Wilson. And he does yeah. get into really good spaces, really good opportunities, but it's about finding him at the right time. Um, and so I think that there's a little bit of that. And then lastly, we've seen this happen uh, actually you know, pretty much with, I guess, really since Newcastle started to make these signings. They're like when you're losing, when you're missing one of the key players in Newcastle brought in, uh, whether it was. Trippier uh, last season, or if it was uh, Bruno this season, Newcastle just do not look the same without some of those key cogs in the machine. And so without Bruno, and Newcastle did did play okay without Bruno this season, but I mean, without Bruno, it, it's it, it's it's kind of rough. Uh, the midfield is not the same, um, and there's just not the level of depth needed there. And part of it is there is only one there's only one other player that fit the mold that Bruno had and it was Shelby, but there's just not that player in the midfield right now that is going to be able to deliver a good ball over the top for Miguel Marone or Allison Max from the chase. That, yeah. That's just non-existent right now. Like Joe Ellington, like he has those every so often. Sean Longstaff doesn't really have that ball. Joe Willock is not even trying to attempt that ball really. And so you're, when you take away that key part of the attack, then the attack suffers. It doesn't only look different and people have to get used to it. It just, it literally suffers because you're taking an element of the attack that was there and it's completely gone. And so I think that's also part of it is that this team just does not look as good without a Bruno type player in the midfield and all the more reason why you need to strengthen in the midfield and bring in more players and also like continue to develop the players that we have uh, really push some of these guys to do other things better. And so while the finishing from Joe Willick and Joe Ellington are, are miles better than it was at the beginning of the season, and they're getting into really good spaces and have really good combination play, that's still an area of weakness for both of them. Uh, and Sean Longstaff as well. It's like none of them are playing those balls over the top. Now with Sean Longstaff, what we're starting to see is he's now at more of a threat and attack. I mean, he obviously scored in the cup semifinal, but I mean, even here, like the, we'll talk about, you know, the goals and stuff in a second, but even here, uh, the whole reason Newcastle scores is that Sean Longstaff makes a run from deep in the midfield, something that we're not used to seeing him do at all, and he gets a shot off. So, there, there are, it, again, players are developing and getting better, but there's just certain things that you just cannot teach in half a season or in a few weeks or in a few months. And so when that's taken away, then it's then it's gone. And that was honestly my big fear when we lost Shelby is that I feel like we're still losing a dimension in attack when we don't have a player that could deliver those balls. Even if Shelby wasn't the most consistent with them, the ones that connected, they were just absolutely gorgeous. And yeah. it just, and, and even then the threat of, of John Joe Shelby del- delivering these balls was something that, that, you know, affected how teams defended against us. And when you take that threat away, it's like, there's no one on this Newcastle team that's playing a ball over the top, a decent ball over the top for anyone to chase in behind besides Botman or Cher, or maybe Trippier every so often. So when you take that whole element away from the Newcastle attack, 
it become a little bit more predictable. And so it'll be on Eddie to figure out how do you approach, you know, the attack going forward against Liverpool uh, when that's completely taken away. So I don't know. We're not, we're not the, we're not the, uh, we're not, we're armchair analysts. We're not, we don't actually have to come up with the system. Uh, so real quick, uh, we'll just talk through um, the goals real quick and, and uh, we can see if you have any, any thoughts on those. So the first one, interesting goal from, from Bournemouth. I have to say Bournemouth played with a lot of energy. Um, I wouldn't yeah. say they made Newcastle necessarily uncomfortable in the first half. I never felt like that. It just felt pretty back and forth. Like the back line looked pretty solid. Uh, there was a couple moments. There was a couple moments where the ball took some weird bounces and Nick Pope had to make a, 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 a save or two, but for the most part, the Bournemouth attack, they, they look, they play with a lot of energy. It was a lot of, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't surprised that Bournemouth looked decent in attack because I knew they, they, they've created chances this season. They just haven't really been able to finish. Um, right. So that's, that's kind of been one of their issues, but uh, they actually score off of a set piece, uh, and it's Sanessi who scores. Uh, and it was like a, it was either a corner or a free kick. Ball swung in, no one's there at the back post. It's, it was it's a, a, it was a mistake. It was, yeah, it was it, a mistake. It was very uncharacteristic. Our defense at its, yeah, it was uncharacteristic. That wasn't our back line at its very best. It, as a matter of fact, it was our back line at its very worst. That's what happens when you get marked out. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and it was just one of those things where you're left going off. Shoot. You can't even get mad. Like, there's no one to get mad at. No one messed. There's no individual. I didn't I didn't feel there was an individual mistake so much as it was just sort of a. Collective. Yeah, it was a it was a breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and the thing is that I think it I can't remember exactly when I don't have notes on the match, but I think it happened again, didn't it? Uh, yeah. A very similar scenario played out and they were able they were able, obviously, you know, fin- it finished one one. So. Bournemouth didn't score again, but it was just sort of scary where they went back in for this corner kick. And you're like, is this, you know, is this going to happen again? And so uh, yeah. it didn't, but you know, that, that it makes you grateful that we have big Dan Byrne back there. He's playing left back, but he's sort of, you know, on those set pieces, sort of an extra center back really. Um, but I think it was our boy Graham who, I don't know if he wrote a piece or if he just made a note, no, he wrote a piece, and I think it got some backlash. Um, that basically having Dan Burnett left back is a limiting factor for, um, you know, for ASM, and it keep and because ASM needs those overlapping runs, and Dan Burn doesn't really provide, um, you know, the same service that I think a more mobile and speedy um, left back would, like a left wing back. And so, even though he's defensive, or even just Matt Target, and yeah, that's like, yeah. Newcastle missed that. Like Target, I think that Target actually has the foot to put some of those passes in that we're missing. I think. Oh, I I agree. I think it's it's what are you trading? I think that's the big, that's that's a big question of like when Dane Burman was moved to left back. I think the the onus was you'd see Newcastle sort of operate with a, a little bit of a back three in attack, and we've seen Burn make some improvements. And yes, he did score off of essentially making an overlapping run. But uh, like for the most part, he stayed back a little bit. And again, he just doesn't have the legs to consistently make those runs that open up and provide space for ASM to really exploit and make the defender choose. All right. Am I going to, am I going to, you know, peel off and try to cover this left back? 
who's making this run, or am I going to try to stick with ASM? And then you've got ASM 1v1 with the center back, and you like his chances with his speed and playmaking ability to, to get mm-hmm. some sort of positive effort and attack there. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that's something that, again, when we're setting up for Liverpool, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. Um, that's going to be one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. What we'll talk about in a second might be another one. And it is a weird one where I don't – and to me, and this is how I personally feel, I don't think we're losing that much defensively when – if you bring on like a Matt target instead of Dan Byrne. And I understand Eddie Howe not wanting to do that because again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like as, as we'll, awful we'll as get we into Liverpool think. for sure. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, when we get, when we get there, I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about why I think there might, there might, we might see a change. Yeah. And again, it's like one of those where like, this back line has been responsible for the most clean sheets in the league. So I right. completely understand why you don't want to change it up, but you know, we'll get to it. So uh scary moment for Newcastle uh, in the 36th minute as uh, Joe Willick uh, injures himself, oh, that's gets right. injured and uh, Newcastle make a sub. Very interesting one. Um, Anthony Gordon comes on and people are confused, but then also when you look at the bench and you see there really wasn't another midfield option, uh, Ellie Anderson, I don't think – I don't know. I think Ellie Anderson is a similar sub to Anthony Gordon in the sense that you were bringing on an attacking player. Like, Elliot Anderson is not a true box-to-box midfielder. I mean, you could argue neither is Joe Willick, but that's beside the point, neither here nor there. Anthony Gordon comes on, and Newcastle do make a slight tweak to the system – I could be misremembering, but I did just watch the match like maybe an hour ago. But it did look like, and at least for at least the remainder of the first half, that Newcastle went with a that four-two-three-one that we saw earlier in the season when we saw Isak, ASM, Almiron, Joelinton, and Wilson all playing at the same time, with Anthony Gordon playing as an attacking midfielder with ASM and, and Almiron on either side of him with a double pivot of Joelinton and uh, and uh, Sean Longstaff, which, again, not the best midfield, like, in terms of midfield solidity. Like, it's just not a – it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence with Joelinton and Sean Longstaff playing as holding midfielders. But you take what you can. You work with the resources you have. And so that's what Newcastle had. And we had Anthony Gordon come on, and he, he played – I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I don't think Anthony Gordon – played bad i thought he was fine um especially for like a full like a full full debut like playing 60 plus minutes like i i think he was completely fine i don't know do you have any thoughts on the change to sub uh i I felt like anthony gordon um he he sprung he sprung loose a few plays and i think that's probably going to be there's gonna you know we're gonna see this type of performance from him, maybe you know, one more, one or two more times. It'll be really interesting to see him against Liverpool. I I suspect he doesn't like that team as much as I don't like that team. Um, yeah. and, and so where he's coming, you know, where he's coming from, maybe he'll, maybe maybe we might see something special from him here this this weekend. But um, I saw hints of what he could do, and it's it's kind of. Sp- a, a little a little dink pass you know to spring to mm-hmm. spring loose um kind of a give and go and then really go and yeah. i think if he could find the right person that 
can receive and send that go to the right spot, I think he's going to be incredibly dangerous. But I I don't see that connection happening with ASM on the left side because that's not how he plays. Um, Interesting. I think I think uh, you know as much as I I, I love um, Saint Maximin, I think he's a selfish player, and I oh. think he he looks at channels that he can drive into first and thinks about the pass second, and I think that's why you saw ASM dribble himself in, into the touch, um, and then have to circle back and look for an outlet instead of looking for connections uh, driving into the box. He's always sort of looking for his own way into the box. And as much as I think that he was great for the last few years, maybe it's time for somebody that looks up a little bit more. And I think someone that can connect with Gordon and, and, and um, spring him on those. Um, so, you know, vice versa, maybe someone that Gordon can also spring loose because he, he can, he can put that ball in some really tight spaces. So I think we're going to see more from him. Interesting. You say that um, because the Newcastle did score at the end of the half and, uh, this the attack was actually started by a give and go, like you just mentioned, between Gordon and ASM. So Gordon received the ball, played a quick give and go, ASM one touch passing. Gordon then played ASM. ASM, I think it was ASM who played it across. It might have been Gordon. It was either Gordon or ASM played the ball over to. It was ASM. It was ASM mm-hmm. who played the ball over to Sean Longstaff, who, like we mentioned earlier, made that run from deep in the midfield. He took a shot on target. Nobody was covering McGowan, who was had basically open net, and he scored with his right. People, oh, I know that was his left. Never mind, it was his left. I'm, <laughs> now I'm replaying. I was like, it was his right, and then I was like, oh no, it was across the face of goal. And he was on the right hand side. Um, so yeah, uh, Newcastle did equalize. Uh, McGowan gets to ten goals uh, for the first time since I want to say he got the ten goals at Atlanta United. Uh, and that's the only other time he's been a double-digit scorer. So shout-out to him. Good for him. Uh, definitely well-deserved. I think looking back on this season, it's something that where, you know, if he hadn't scored another goal, you know, for the rest of the the season, I think this the, his goal-scoring run could have easily been forgotten. But the fact that he got to double-digit goals, to me, kind of solidifies, like, his place in Newcastle fandom history as – this was a player who had an unreal season for us. He had 10 goals. I want to say he's up to four four or five assists. So good for him, uh, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, Anthony Gordon, that was probably one of his better moves of the day. And it was, like, probably one of the more unselfish and smart plays that ASM made. And I think I would agree with you 100% on it does feel like he doesn't look up at times, but it does feel like something that he's being challenged to do. And here's another wrinkle that I'll let people think about. Um, there's been a few times this season where uh, ASM has commented on the play of Newcastle. And there's one player in particular that it feels like he respects and comments more and says a lot, I love playing with this player. And it's it, there's only one player I've seen this happen multiple times with, and it's Bruno. I think ASM... Mm. Is look because it when ASM and Bruno are there together, ASM is looking for Bruno like yeah. a lot. There's, I mean, I think two of his assists this season have been to Bruno directly, and every single time, like Bruno will post the highlight or ASM will post the highlight on his Instagram and be like, I love playing with you at Bruno. And so, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a respect thing where ASM feels for a while that he is like, I was, I'm the most technically gifted player on yeah. this team, which now I wouldn't a, disagree with. 
he has a and peer. now there's a peer, and yeah. I think he's looking for that other player. It's similar to like I mean NBA analogy. I use Trey Young all the time, but like he was a player who was the best player on a bad team, and then the team went out and got help, and it took him a while to realize, oh wow, I don't have to do this by myself. And so I think especially. I, I don't want to say ASM doesn't respect the other players, but I think that's an element of, of, of his game that he, he sees that, okay, Bruno plays, he, he's just like one of the best players I think ASM's probably ever played with. And that's no knock on anyone ASM's played with. I think it's just the truth. And so I, I don't know. I think that that's also part of it is that I think maybe ASM also flourishes once he realizes that uh, the team around him is good enough that he doesn't need to do it all by himself. And I thought that would happen with Calum Wilson. We saw a little bit of it. Um, they just really didn't, they didn't play as much together as I, as I had hoped. Yeah. But I do think that like, as the team continues to strengthen, as players get better, I think ASM will have to do that or he'll get sold. And it's the other thing is that there's no, I don't think anyone would be shocked. I don't think anyone would be surprised if Newcastle moved from ASM because like it's not the Ashley era. Like if we sell ASM, it's there not is the a, end of the world. Yeah, there's a very large possibility they bring in someone better. Like it's just straight up. Like they could sell ASM and bring in Jane Sancho, and we wouldn't miss a beat. So you, you know what it is. It is not necessarily someone better. Yeah, um, no, a better but, fit. Yeah, a better, a better, yeah, a better fit for the system. Mm-hmm. And the system has moved on. Maybe I think ASM could really really do some damage um for another club but maybe we're moving in a different direction because you've heard yeah. an inter- I, I i heard an interview with him recently that he was you know he was saying hey when i'm on the field when i'm on the field i can do this when i'm on the field i'm a part of this but he kept emphasizing that he had to be a part of it you know he had to be playing to be a part of it i may have misinterpreted what he was saying but he you know he wasn't and he was saying that he understood what he was being told and that he had to give more on the defensive side. And so he's like, he understands the assignment, but he kept kind of going back to this, but I've got to be involved and I've got to be involved in, um, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and maybe that's a, maybe that's a mindset that needs to be changed, but we still have a whole third back end of the season to go. So. Yeah, we'll see. And again, it's all, we said at the beginning of the year about how will ASM improve mentally and that's going to be the next step for him is technically he's all there but his next evolution is going to be whether or not he can learn and adapt to a new system and uh, that's not just him do whatever he wants that's kind of what happened with him in nice second half was pretty uh pretty i mean it was it was fine there were a couple key moments newcastle didn't do much forest nearly scored uh at the end of the at the end of the match Trippier had a uh a goal line clearance uh, from a Dominic Solanke shot. But again, other than that, there was not really a ton that happened. Uh, mm. Newcastle had a couple of chances. ASM cut in and, and blazed a shot over. But uh, it, actually, ASM had a couple of shots. Uh, but again, there was there was there were flashes of like like Josh, like you said, there were flashes of Newcastle uh, putting together attacks, but nothing that was as sustained as we'd seen before, where. There was a period where, I mean, Newcastle were scoring three or three goals and a half because it was just sustained after sustained amount of pressure and attack, and really didn't see a lot of that against a, 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 against honestly a pretty poor defense 
uh, from Bournemouth. Yeah, I agreed. <laughs> I agree with all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, real quick, uh, just going to the 538 Premier League pro- projections, um, they still have Newcastle in finishing in fourth. Uh, so I guess, I mean, I guess that's good. They are projecting Newcastle will finish with 66 points. Mm. They're now present now projecting that Brighton will uh, will will leapfrog Tottenham and finish with 64 points and beat Tottenham on goal differential. So that's an interesting little wrinkle of as it would stand. Man City they have Man City winning the league now after today's we're recording on Wednesday yeah. after Man City pooped all over Arsenal. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have it was, a, it was a solid second half pooping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah. You know, as far as as far as poops go, good second half poop. Um, but now they've got Man City like sixty two percent chance of winning the Prem, and it was just so funny of like this whole season. The group chats have been, I hope Arsenal doesn't blow this lead, blah blah. And lo and behold, here we are. Um, yeah, and then Man U, uh, Arsenal in second, Man U in third, Newcastle in fourth, Brighton in fifth, Tottenham in sixth, Liverpool in seventh, Chelsea in eighth. That's what. 538 has we'll see how accurate that will be mm-hmm. um but then other than that do you have a player of the match um yeah i mean i i think i think for me again it's it's i think it's Longstaff. it's strange it's a strange one i yeah. think he's just he's making late runs at the right times i think he's he's quietly unlocking spaces if that makes sense he's he's creating He's creating the spaces for for which the other players can move into by moving around as much as he does, and yeah. I think that's an underrated skill set. I think Willock was also doing that from the other side of the pitch until his injury. I think he was very active, um, and I think that those two sort of uh, moving as much as they do gives gives Big Joe a lot of free range to 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 shit houses way around the midfield. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, for me, it's, 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 it's long staff. Um, you know, even though Almiron got the goal and, and Maxi worked his tail off, I just, I, you know, it's Sean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, I big shots to Almiron. I think he had a pretty good match as well. I think he's, he's playing at a, a fairly consistent level, but again, it'll be, that'll probably be the next player we're asking questions about of uh like how how good can this player be and are they going to be good enough for the future i think right now miggy is doing fine Mm -hmm. but it's it's taken his best season of his career for him to really for people to feel like oh he belongs in this side so we'll see it says a lot about about him okay so liverpool is up next. Newcastle will be hosting Liverpool and there's a lot of injuries and absences to discuss. So I'm actually, I think this is a good way to do it. I'm just going to read off what FOTMOB has for injuries and absences. And we can kind of go in from there and see, all right, what's an actual realistic injury that could keep someone out versus what, you know, what could change in the next couple of days. So, uh, for Liverpool, uh, Arthur's out, or Artur. I'm not sure how you say his name. He's out. Uh, Konate is out. Uh, they're both out till the end of February. I'm 90% sure. Um, Diaz is out now. Uh, Luis Diaz, he's out until probably 
middle of March and Tiago's out as well. So their midfield's hurting. So that yeah. that's that that's a positive if you're Newcastle, I guess, because Newcastle's midfield's also hurting. Uh with Joe Willick potentially uh missing a few weeks due to a thigh injury. So you can rule him out for the Carabao Cup final as well. Uh Matt Target still is injured. Emil Kraft, of course, is obviously done for the season season. Javi Minkio has a bit of a muscle injury, so we're down to likely Harrison Ashby being uh, our only cover at fullback right now. Um, Callum Wilson picked up an injury in training uh, this yeah. past week, which is the reason that he didn't feature uh, against Bournemouth. Uh, Alan St. Maximin has apparently a knee knock that kept him out of training today. Uh, who knows? Or being Wednesday who knows how serious that is Miguel Amaron also has a wrist injury which again he's listed as doubtful which which to me sounds like he could potentially still play but this is an absolute nightmare scenario for Eddie Howe because you are now down to two midfielders um you now could be potentially out to attackers as well so you're likely looking at some sort of system change. Honestly, you're, you could be looking at three attackers being out. Who knows how healthy Calvin Wilson is. So all that to say, do you have any idea? Like I have a, I have an idea of potentially what Newcastle could do, but I don't know. Do you have any idea of what they could do? I, I, I don't know. Well, yeah. So I'm thinking that they could move Shar up from – they might have to mess with this back line basically – this back okay. line that's been so sturdy for them, and they may have they may have to just kind of move some pieces around. Paul Dummett has been known to play a little bit of left back, so uh, he yeah, keeps... and I think Ashby as well can play both left. Yeah, and so you could keep Dummett on the bench and bring Ashby in if you wanted to, or you could put Dummett in there, um, you know, get him warmed up and, and just in case you're going to need him in the cut match too. The thing is that like as you alluded to, Liverpool's hurting too, and so Liverpool is still a great big bad Liverpool. Um, you know, one of the most, uh, you know, uh, well, storied and yeah, big six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're an absolutely massive club, but if there was ever a good time to play them, it's this week. Um, they've, they're, 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 they, they had a good, a good result against their Derby rival against an Everton side that is diabolical. That is just, (laughs) they're so bad. They're so bad. Um, and if Liverpool weren't to get a result against that Everton team, that would be a true crime. Um, so there's a chance that maybe we could put in backups um, and let some of these other players get another you know, week of rest um, going into the cup final. But I think one of the, you know, to answer your question more directly, maybe we move Shar up, burn, put Burn back in, and either have Ashby or Dummett play at left back. And I think having um, a more dynamic um, left back who can track uh, um, Salah is going to be incredibly important um, because I think the trick to him is cutting him off, you know, cutting him off at the head, uh, you know, beating, beating, him to, beating him to the space. You, if you beat if you beat him to the space, he can't exploit the space, and that's really he's a he's a fantastic finisher. He's a world class player, but if you watch enough of him, his real his real trick is is beating people uh, into space in behind the back line, and you just gotta easier said than done, but you basically have to limit his ability to exploit space, and that 
I don't think Dan Byrne is dynamic enough a fullback to keep up with uh, with Mo. Interesting. Um, couple of thoughts. I think there could be two possibilities for Newcastle here. I, I personally don't think that they will move Sharon to the midfield just because I think that I, I just don't think it's going to be the right move. I, I don't think right now how this team is set up being a, a counter pressing team, if that makes the most sense, um, just because th- that's a lot of ground for Cher, who is not the most athletic to cover. I think maybe if Newcastle yeah. were uh, sitting back a little bit or if they were trying to play a, little bit with a, a bit more possession, maybe because uh-huh. you're asking him to do a lot less work, you know, running, tracking back, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, for the time being, I, I, I just don't see it. Um, that being said, I do, I do think that there's a possibility that Newcastle revert to a 4-2-3-1, which we've seen a couple times. Again, I think you lose a little bit of uh, of not flexibility, but I think you lose a little bit of solidity. Maybe is that the word? The right the right word? Yeah. Um, in the midfield, just because you don't have a true uh, like a true defensive midfielder uh, at either one of those positions, I think Sean Longstaff can do the job, uh, but I don't really have a lot of confidence in Joe Ellington playing in that double pivot role or whatever you want to call it. Because we've seen it, and it's been okay. It hasn't been great, but it's been okay. Um, so that's an option, a 4-2-3-1. Similar to what we saw with uh, ASM, Gordon, Almiron behind Isak. And here's something that I think could also happen um, that I don't think gets talked about. But Newcastle certainly have the personnel for it and ironically have the depth for it, which I think we could see. Newcastle go with the back three um, and put Dan Byrne. Wow, I don't know why I said Dan Byrne's name like that. Put Dan, Dan Byrne, Byrne, Dan Byrne, Cher, and Botman as a back as a, as three center backs with um, maybe Ashby or uh, or uh, Trippier as wing backs, mm-hmm. um, and either do a three four three or a or some sort of like five two three. Or even even more like a, a five three two or something like that. Yeah. Uh, with I don't even know who you'd put in the midfield, um, uh, but you know, alongside uh, Longstaff and uh, and Joel Linton. But I think a back three could be a possibility just because it gives the midfield a little bit more cover and yeah. allows for Newcastle to still have you know and again it's not like newcastle center backs are the center backs that we had in the past like botman and share will will add plenty to the attack with dan burn being able to cover a little bit and then you could potentially get some of those overlapping runs and that width that you need for an asm to be successful obviously almiron and trippier have something cooking down that right hand side with how well they play with each other with trippier making overlapping runs there so i think that's a good alternative but we haven't seen that employed yet typically when newcastle lose someone in the midfield this season we have gone to a 4-2-3-1 uh which again could work but i i don't have a lot of confidence in that formation i honestly would feel a little bit better with the back three just because i think that uh and i want to say we might have seen it last season with lascelles burn and share at some mm-hmm. point um, a couple times down that stretch when we were trying to pick up results. 
So it, it, it's it's in the locker, uh, and we've usually reserved it for teams that uh, we're we're trying to sit back against. Uh, but again, uh, Newcastle are different this season. They've been a, way more aggressive in the press, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if the back three still works, but I'd like to see see them try. So I really like the idea of it. Um, when I look at Liverpool over the last five matches, you, I mean, I can go backwards here. I mean, they got a two nil win at, at home versus Everton, but they lost away to Wolves, uh, zero three drew at home, zero zero with Chelsea lost away to Brighton, zero three, and then lost away to Brentford one to three. And they've been outscored nine goals to three in their last five league matches, seven goals to 13 in, in, in all competitions over the le- with the last eight since the restart mm-hmm. of the season. Um, and some of their best results are a two, two draw versus wolves and a one nil win at wolves uh, in, in, yeah. in the, in the, in the FA cup third round. Um, so they're not, they're not doing well. This is, this is not a healthy team. And, um, yeah. You know, and their the midfield is just inconsistent. They've got Tiago, Fabinho, and Elliott one game. Um, they've got Oxley, Chamberlain, Fabinho, Henderson, Tiago, Basetic, Nabiketa, Basetic, Fabinho, and Henderson. Like they're, I think Jurgen is just reaching for answers, and they're not answering very well. I think the real trick, and I and I like I like the idea that you, that you, you brought to the table here of, of, of maybe of a five, two, three, or it's get after them. Yeah. Get after them early. You know, maybe the best way to, and they were you know, the last few years, even at their strongest point, the best way to beat Liverpool to get a result anyway, was to go after them. And few teams did that. And and the ones that did found some joy. And maybe that's really the, the, the trick is you've, you're going to have the crowd. This is at St. James's right. And mm-hmm go for the throat, like right away, just go for the kill. Like with it, if you're going to, if you're not going to have sustained energy, which I think was actually the real trick is be sustained in the, in attack the whole match. But if you, if you had to pick and choose when you were going to press as hard as you possibly could do it in the first five minutes, get a goal out of the first five minutes, get a second goal within the first 15 minutes of this match, Liverpool's head will hang. They don't know what the, they, they, something's wrong. Something's in the water there that's making everybody sick, and they don't. And, and, and Jurgen doesn't have a solution. So get after them, score early, close down Salah's space, attack through the channels. Combo play will unlock them right now. They're they're not solid. Even I think even with Virgil Van Dyke returning, but he's a possible return for this weekend. I don't I don't know if that's. I mean, he look he's one of the best center backs in in the world, but it's his first match back. Maybe this yeah. is the time to go after him. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that's spot on. I also do think uh, the formation change. I, I think that could benefit Newcastle, whether it is four two three one or three four three. Just given the personnel available, if it's four two three one, that's a lot of flexibility for those mm-hmm. three attacking players behind Isak, uh, who all could be dynamic uh, on the ball, whether you, whether that, again, and we have no idea because injuries are, are a thing. Uh, I mean, it could be Elliot Anderson, who knows? Um, or it could, or we could see Newcastle play with like a five, two, three, or sorry. A, no, a five, three, two with like Almiron and Isak up top. Who knows? Um, all that to say, uh, I think, you know, like you said, getting after Liverpool with that sustained pressure is going to be huge. Who, 
Do you want to do stats next? Or you want to do history next? Um, That's $9 question. Yeah, well, we could do stats. I, I, I wanted to add one more thing, and, and this okay. is just look, Jurgen can't handle shithousery. The guy no, has can. no patience for it. And Newcastle has been at their, you know, at their finest moments, the kings of shithousery this year. I say fu- fucking rough them up. Pardon my French, yeah. but get after them. Be, be the be, close down space. Be chippy. Be chippy. You know, trying to trying to pry that ball loose. Kick kick a couple ankles. Um, make that man scream and lose his shit. He will lose his shit, and he will. And tactically, he'll he'll become unhinged because he doesn't. He he's not a he's not a patient man. He's full. Of, he's he's a whinger. He's full of excuses. He's full of. He's always look. I followed this guy since his, his his days at Mainz. He, I mean, you know, following the Bundesliga, this guy is a, he pisses and he mo- he smiles at the best of times and he cries yeah. and he rants and he raves when things don't go his way. But what happens right. is he he loses his shit and I think Eddie Howe doesn't and I think that that's how Newcastle chips this one away. I think that, you know, and we'll give our, we'll give our predictions, but they're, and they're high on um, Stefan, um, uh, but I think it's Bacetic, Bacetic, really young midfielder. You know, they're, they're ranting and raving about this, this, this young player, but really that's only because that they don't have their starters. So they don't have anyone in the midfield. It's like Harvey Elliott and him. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Jordan Henderson, like that's the only midfielder they have left. You know, and I would say lastly <clears throat> on this, um, they play Real Madrid just like days later in the Champions League round of 16. Yeah. And I yeah. think they desperately, they're looking at, they're looking at the table in the Premier League going, we're not getting Europe out of this. They're being realistic. They need to perform in the Champions League in order to have Europe next year. If they if they lose out in the Champions League, they Liverpool may not be in Europe next year. And I think that could be yeah. that could be devastating for for them, especially like, you know, if City is gonna win again and and Arsenal is probably gonna guarantee themselves a spot in Europe, it's gonna be it's gonna be real tight for them. So yeah, I'd say look yeah. for this game. I mean, and, really and you gotta remember, emotional. like, yeah, you gotta remember with with uh, Newcastle and other teams like Fulham and Brighton and Brentford all having good seasons. Like, someone in the Big Six is, I mean, a couple teams in the Big Six are going to be left behind. And I think Chelsea have already kind of resigned to potentially missing out on Europe. Liverpool, yeah. I don't know if they're they're completely there yet, but it does seem like Chelsea. We're selling young players that they've signed and the half a billion dollars. And I'm literally not exaggerating half a billion dollars they spent this year on players, mm-hmm. especially in January that we're trying. And, and honestly, when we look back on this window for Chelsea, I think it actually was a really good window for them because I think what's going to happen with them is that they're going to have a fire sale this summer oh, yeah. and and hit a, a mini reset and realize that, hey, if we really invest in these young players, give them an opportunity to grow under Potter, that uh, that you know, they could finish you know, top six next year and get back to it. Liverpool, I don't know if they're in the same boat because Liverpool have not done. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they've made moves that would would signify that they are giving up on no top and six. I think, or <laughs> I think I think that if they do miss out on it, I think Jurgen walks. I think he's such an emotional. He's oh. such an emotional person that he will take the blame and he'll leave the team. 
but I don't think that he leaves the team in a better place, you know? And uh, I, I'll push back. I don't think he leaves the team because he's going to blame it on the amount of games they played or the amount of money World that Cup. other teams spent. No, I mean, I, I'm legitimately sure. I think at the end of the season, if Liverpool did not make, if Liverpool finish eighth or seventh, even if they finish seventh or even sixth, he will make some big fuss about how the world cup being in the winter ruined the premier league. And he's, and again, he's, he's not right. wrong for he's he's completely right. Yeah, but it's also like a total lack of of recognizing that he has some fault as like Liverpool has simply not looked good this season. Like straight up, they have not looked good. Like the the last time they looked really good, re- like to be honest, one of the last times they looked really good is when they barely beat Newcastle after twelve minutes of extra time. Yeah. And, and they still the amount of pissing and moaning from their supporters that whole following week about uh, time wasting and shit house. Oh my god, this is a team that shit houses and time wastes like everybody else. But as soon as it happens to them, they they throw up their arms in disgust and they pretend like they're of some course. sort of glorious, you know, like uh, you know, flawless club that doesn't perform. Of course they do the same shit. You're desperate to win as much as anybody else does. Yeah, man. I can't stand Liverpool. I can't, I, I want to, I want to beat them so bad. I want this so bad. (laughs) I I, I love this. You're getting the angry, angry Josh. All right. I uh, I don't like this team at all. I don't, and it's their fans. Well, it's Jurgen. I don't like their supporters. I don't like Jurgen. I don't like Liverpool. This, the, the hubris and the expectation and the sense that they deserve somehow deserve something because it's, you know, you know, big because of the, 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 their legacy as it, you know, you don't, it's what you do this year that counts. It's not what you've done for the last hundred. And yeah. this team has done remarkably well for the last hundred. So, Yeah. All right, so uh, stats or uh, history? What are we doing next? Oh, hit me with the stats. Hit me with the stats. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Nothing crazy. I mean, Liverpool, as we know, right now, not doing too hot. Uh, They are down in ninth. Uh, You know, a lot of losses. Seven losses, five draws, nine wins, 21 matches played. So, you know, again, this is a weird one because they've played one less match in Newcastle and Newcastle played one match, one less match than everyone around them except for Arsenal. Um, so this is a weird one where the, technically speaking, Liverpool are, they, they still have a shot of climbing back up the table. Like they could rattle off a couple wins and be still right in the mix for top six, uh, just given the fact that Fulham has played 23 matches. So who knows how they approach this? Um Head to head wise, uh, Liverpool have like really gotten the better of Newcastle uh, over the past. I mean, since the conception of the Premier League, uh, thirteen wins for four uh, losses for New- sorry, thirteen wins for Liverpool, four wins for Newcastle, six draws between the two. Um, and again, the context matters. Got to remember that a lot of the time Newcastle were playing Liverpool. And Premier League, uh, one Mike Ashley was in charge, and Newcastle were not uh, playing at the best. So, uh, I mean, that's all I really got for stats. Um, anything you, uh, anything you want to add? Oh, I, I, I'm I'm happy to go back in time and add some stats here. Okay. Um, all time, Newcastle versus Liverpool. All time, um, we've won fifty, drawn forty four, and lost oh. ninety times. Jeez. The first time we played Liverpool, they beat us 5-1 on the 
on November 4th, 1893. The biggest win was a 9-2 on the 1st of January, 1934. Um, that was our biggest win over them, 9-2. Um, and the starting lineup in 1934, I love this. I love doing this. Uh, oh, yes. in, in, in between the pipes was big Bill McPhillips, uh, a Scott. Uh, right back was Jimmy Nelson from Scotland. Fullback, Daniel Bell from Scotland. Uh, center half, Alec Betton from Scotland. Uh, wing half, Jimmy Murray from Scotland. Outside left, Tommy Lang from Scotland. Outside right, Jimmy Boy, Boyd from Scotland. It was like mostly a Scottish team. Did we have we had. the Scottish national team. Is yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Yeah, it I was guess also, regionally it makes sense because I mean, well, much like, closer. Yeah, yeah, much closer. And I would imagine, like, not no knock on Scottish football, but it probably wasn't as established as the the English football. Oh, contraire! Oh, contraire! Yeah. Scotland oh. had the Scotland had the 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 better of of England for for so a we very were long getting time. all well, we were getting all the Scottish rejects in England. We, I think, yeah, we were getting, okay, so the professional leagues in England paid more than the professional league in Scotland. So I would imagine that the best Scottish players were some of the best players in the world, but they could get paid more playing for the English teams than they could. I mean, unless you were playing for Celtic or Rangers, probably going back a hundred years, you were, you were paid, you were, you weren't playing for one of the best teams. Oh, I'll have to do some more Scottish. Table. Somebody is screaming at me right now. Um, I mean, no, they're probably screaming at me for just, I'm just saying vibes. Yeah. Just making up stuff. <laughs> at least you're, you, you've got some sort of facts. I'm just making stuff up. Um, I will tell you the goals came from Jimmy Boyd. He had, uh, he had one. Jimmy Richardson had a hat trick. Tommy Lang, Ron Williams, uh, who was from Wales by the, by the way, and Sam Weaver, um, had a hat trick as well. Um, Alec Betton scored an own goal. So that's one of Liverpool's two goals. And Harry Taylor for Liverpool score, scored their only goal on the day um, in the run of play. Um, last note I have historically, Newcastle have not beat Liverpool since the 6th of December 2015. Mm-hmm. And we've only beaten them twice since 2012. Well, yeah, this is right. And it's like, I have several friends who are Liverpool supporters. And so I'm sort of damned, damned if we do and damned if we don't. I desperately want to beat this team because they historically have the better of us. And also I want to beat this team because I want Newcastle to do really well. But part of me has been really happy losing to them because then I don't have to fucking hear about it. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, when, the, just, when we don't beat them, it's just whatever. It's just, you go, the week goes by and then we can go on and we can play the next team. But gosh darn it, man. I'm ready to beat this team. So, yeah. So, uh, speaking of beating them, who do we need to look out for from, from, uh, from Liverpool? Um, I, you know, I think that uh, you, you always got to watch out for the dangerous Mo Salah. I think he's, he's going to be one. I think Cody Gakpo got his first goals of the, you know, uh, since yeah. he's been transferred. I think he's someone, um, I mean, he, he was very dangerous playing, um, in the Dutch league, but Dutch scoring can be deceptive. Sometimes you get the leaders from the Dutch league come over and they just don't perform against the better defenses of the premier league. And Newcastle has got the best defense in the premier league right now. Um, 
I think if you could close down Salah in space, as I've mentioned, and, and sort of uh, limit his ability to get in behind and, 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 and wreak havoc on, on the back line, I think that we can probably, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be all over the place, but you know, we also haven't shown a propensity to score ourselves lately. So I, as much as I'd like to say, we're going to, we're going to outscore them and it's going to be a three to two win for Newcastle. It seems unlikely because I can't figure out where the goals are going to come from right now. Um, if Callum Wilson comes back in and he said he's, and basically he said he's 80%, right? He said, Hey, I'm training at 80%. I felt something. I pulled myself out of training is what he said. You know, um, I think he's going to be good to go for the match and he'll probably get himself up for it because it's a chance to, to score. But gosh, darn it. If he gets hurt, we're in trouble. Right. And I think he knows that too. Maybe. Uh, I he, mean, I don't he know. alluded he, to a he, change in his philosophy. He goes, I used to just, I used to just fight through it. And that's how he yeah, ends but up getting I mean, hurt. Like, let's be real. I mean, Colin Wilson hasn't done anything for Newcastle since before the international break. Like he, it wasn't like he was providing anything. No. Like, but, but maybe like I get it, of, but I'm like, I have more, I have more faith that Isak will become a more impactful player than I do. I'm Tom Wilson will just return. I'm scared. When I see goals. Isak, I'm scared of his fragility. I just, he, he looks paper thin and I'm not, I don't see. Yeah, I mean, so does Miguel Amaron, but then Miguel Amaron is like the least injured player at Newcastle. He's amazing. What, what happened? What, I was so wrong about him. So yeah, I mean, it's just he—he's a—he's an absolute twig. Like I'm bigger than Miguel. I outweigh Miguel by like 25 pounds. I uh, said, so wrap your wrist up, Miggy. Wrap your wrist up and get out there and score a pair. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle win two to one. Yeah, I—I I have a similar result. I say Newcastle win one nothing. Um, That's probably I more don't, li- realistic, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I, I, I don't. I think our back line is, is solid, and I think that's something that Newcastle will lean into. I think they'll frustrate uh, Liverpool, especially at home. I, I. Don't know. I, I mean, I don't know who. Again, I'm in that same boat of I don't know where the goals are going to come from. I think Isak scores. I think uh, Alan St. Maxman gets the assist. And mm. I think that outside of that, there will not be a lot happening with the Newcastle attack. Mainly because I think that, again, like I said earlier, they're just new players who are getting rotated into to this to this system. There's going to be a change in system for this match regardless. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that's implemented. Um, but I think like when you have to, when you go from playing with some direct players like Joelinton and, uh, and, and Almiron who are this combination play down the wings to guys like Isak and, and ASM who are more ball dominant and like dribble, like there's just going to be, a, it, it's going to be an adjustment for everyone involved. So I think with the adjustment, I think Newcastle only score one goal, but I also think they don't make the same defensive error that they did against Bournemouth, and I think they keep a clean sheet. So um, that's that. We do have one question. Um, so we'll get to that. It, okay. it shouldn't take very long. Um, here we go. Well, wait. Oops. I didn't. I, I did not pull up the question. I thought I did. That's my bad. Here I am stalling. All right. You're still stalling. Okay. <laughs> Eric Schmidt in UFC Indiana with five draws out of the last six. Are Newcastle regressing to the mean, or do you think their minds are just wandering to Wembley? How do you think they'll get back to winning ways? 
we've kind of that's kind of the sum the 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 subject of the podcast. I I I don't know. Um, five draws out of the last six are Newcastle regressing to the mean. Um. Yeah, they're they're performing how I I believe they would perform. I think that they they outdid themselves in the first in the first part of the season and I think that they they loaded up on points. I think their position is a false position in the in the table. I think their performances have been um really good. I think their defense has shown itself to be uh, sound, but I think the the lack of attacking depth um and and even a few uh, it goes to show that even one or two injuries can really have a deep impact on um you know chasing chasing that top 4 uh, if we you know if we have a few more draws, you know, let's say we do draw Liverpool, that's ninety nine times out of a hundred a really good result. Not gonna lie, drawing Liverpool the last ten years would have been great. Drawing Liverpool this weekend is gonna be disappointing. I think they're there for the taking. I think we need the three points to keep hanging up with you know hanging in there with those with that top four conversation. And like I said, the last couple of, couple of episodes, we keep drawing, we're gonna regress to the mean. We're going to slip to fifth. We're going to slip to sixth. And that's still fine because at the beginning of the season, you asked me what I thought. I thought sixth to eighth. I thought a good cup run. Now we're in, a cup, we're in a cup final and we're still in, you know, in, in contention for, or for top, top four. What the heck? You know, so yeah. yeah, it's a regression to the mean, but also like it's a damn good mean, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good mean. And I would, here, here's the other thing I would say is I, at least Newcastle I've seen the past years. And I don't want to, I don't want to make any sort of like bold claim about uh, like the club or the future or whatever, but it does feel like Newcastle are a team of runs, whether or not like they come in the beginning or the end of the year, Uh, like for the, for the last few years, what we've seen is Newcastle pull together a string of really solid and good results and pull themselves out of the relegation zone. Whether it be mm-hmm. running off a a, mat, a a streak of ten matches in which they win two, draw five, and lose two, wait, no, that's not ten, and lose three, and that <laughs> somehow gets them out of the relegation zone, and then they somehow sneak their way into finishing twelfth or thirteenth. It seems like they go on runs, and they go on like a couple of seasons, uh, and so in the past, it felt like we would go on a run of just losing matches just result and result are bad. And we're kind of going through that run now, except for instead of losses, it's draws. Yeah. And so I think that there's another run in Newcastle somewhere this season. Maybe it's after the cup final and Newcastle just rip off another six, seven straight, you know, wins or whatever. And they really solidify themselves in the top four conversation. But the teams around us have still been wildly inconsistent and still not great. And, realistically the teams that have been sort of slowly but surely picking up draws and a win here or there like Fulham or Brentford are starting to climb up the table a little bit while you know Spurs are still looking iffy each week uh Chelsea of course look terrible and Liverpool don't look good so it's weird because I don't feel as if we are in super danger of missing out on Europe altogether um and I don't know if the cup final is as much of a distraction as it is for fans. I think right now all fans are talking about online is the cup final and tickets to this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But I think within the club, 
the focus is still to take each match uh, week by week. And when they get to the cup final, yes, it'd be a wonderful opportunity for Newcastle to win uh, their first trophy. But I don't know if that's what's on everyone's mind right now. I think what's on everyone's mind at the club right now is how are we not winning matches? Like, how are we not scoring more goals? What do we need to do to improve that aspect? Uh, Because that's something that's spanned across cup competitions as well as the league. That's a constant issue that we've had uh, essentially since Boxing Day when we won 3-0. So, I don't know. Uh, Josh, that's all I got for uh, for uh, CHN Radio. That's all that's on the outline. Uh, you got anything else you need to add? Oh, I will just leave you with this. The light at the end of the tunnel of all of this is, uh, it, well, it's not even that dark of a tunnel, honestly. Like, we're in a great position. It's a dream it's, season. It's, it's, it's not it's, like, it's not a dark tunnel at all. It's not a dark tunnel, but to, <laughs> to make matters, I guess to decade. make matters even better, to, <laughs> to give you even more hope and inspiration, Eddie Howe is our manager, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like that man has forgotten more about football tactics than I will ever know. And if there's anybody that can figure out a, how to get a result this weekend and B how to get wins going and to generate goals, it's going to be, it's going to be Eddie Howe. Um, yeah. Like you said, this is a run. We're in, we're in a run of draws. He's going to figure it out. Like I've yeah. never, I've never felt this way. Well, maybe with Chris, Chris Hutton, I think there were some yeah. times where I felt like it was never going to be that bad with Chris, but maybe with Rafa, I felt like we were going to be able to get draws and results from teams that we wouldn't normally have, but I've never felt more confident in, in a man like going into a halftime, you know, break and going, okay, this man's going to identify changes. We're going to go into a season you know, a season changing match in a, in a, in a couple of weeks here, this cup final, it's going to be a, it's going to be a season changing match win or lose. That's the end of the cups and Newcastle have no other distractions. They don't have Europe. They don't have the FA cup. They just have a bunch of butts to kick. So yeah, yeah, it can only going to be good times for, I mean, there's going to be a loss somewhere, maybe two losses in the rest of the season. It happens, but Gosh, we're going to have a good it's, Maybe, maybe. And, mean, it's gonna, and, and it's going to be okay if it, if it is. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd honestly rather lose 1-0 to Liverpool, just like you said, to not hear their fans moan, than <laughs> to beat them 1-0 and their fans accuse us oh, of, the, imagine, of being dirty. Oh, imagine a contr- and, the controversy. Imagine something, a, a yeah. kick a kick in the ankle and, and you know, Virgil van Dijk gets you know, kicked in the butt or, I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but there's, there's going to be, be something. some bar decision. That oh, it's going to be it's, just the pissing and the moaning. Uh, I'm just not looking forward to the discourse. Online. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, again, again, uh, it's a wonderful chatting with you. Uh, this has been a wonderful episode of Nation radio. Um, I'm Elijah. That's Josh. Away the lads. And uh, we love it's cold up there in summer, it's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side, looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, 